Hi, so welcome to this week's episode of Social Spark. It's episode four and I can't wait to get into this one this week. This podcast is set to be your social media bible moving forward, so be sure that you are following so you never miss an episode. Social Spark is a weekly podcast that gives you advice, tips, tricks, and updates about all things social media. So whether you run social media for your own business, are a social media manager covering multiple accounts, or even an agency who's just looking for that little bit extra social media goss, then this cast is for you. I will delve into the technical and the creative sides of social media, compiling the very best advice available so you don't have to spend hours searching for it. In today's episode, as always, we are going to catch up on the latest social media news and updates, and then following over on from last week's discussion on content strategy, we're going to be looking at how to analyze your content strategy and use metrics specifically to better and improve upon that strategy moving forward. So plug yourself in and let's go. Hi guys and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me for week four already. In case you are a first time listener or maybe you just forgot, my name is Chris Kidd and I am the brainchild behind social media management and digital marketing agency Spark Media. Oh well, what a week it has been this week. Um, This week guys, I have actually taken some time to focus on me and reflect on my own business. I um, get very busy and carried away with work for my clients as most of us do and often I forget to take some time for myself and uh, forget that it's necessary for my own business to move forward for me to be able to take time and reflect on the things that um, I am doing and the things that I could be doing better. Um, So this week I I actually uh, took some time to review my own content strategy after having discussed with you guys last week about how to put your own content strategy together and I discovered some really interesting things. You will find that with many people that work in social media we have a tendency not to focus on our own social media accounts. Now that's not because we don't want to, Um, in fact there's nothing we would rather be doing more than focusing on our own um, our own social proof and our own engagement and our own uh, content creation and our own strategies but you know we come secondary to our clients they are the people that we work for and that's the purpose of what I do so um, yeah I have got caught up um, in the past uh, focusing mostly on my clients and forgetting about myself which is absolutely fine there's nothing wrong with that so this week I decided to review my own strategy and wow what an eye-opener it was you know I'd let um, I realized this week I'd let things slide um, when it comes to to my content strategy. It was um, outdated uh, is probably the best way to put it. Um, and not only was it outdated, but actually it had been, uh, the strategy had been so similar for such a period of time that actually it had become um, ineffective is probably the best way to describe it. So I have spent some time this week reviewing my strategy, having a look at my own engagement, having a look at my own metrics and seeing where I can move and shift to make this better. And uh, really, I want to build a good, robust and engaging community around my knowledge base and the help that I can give other people because I really am truly passionate about helping other people in the field of social media and digital marketing. Um, But I can't do that if my strategy is so old and outdated that actually I'm not getting any engagement. So um, what I realized this week is I'm giving value upon value uh, free uh, all the time, all the time. Much Honestly, if there's a gap in my day where I can create some free value for you guys, that's what I'm doing. Um, but obviously, as I just said, it's not reaching uh, as many people as I would like it to reach because I've not actually spent a lot of time on my own stuff. So I've come up with um, using the process that I taught you last week. I have reworked my entire uh, content strategy and, you know, it's looking much more in line with what it is that I actually do. The um, strategy I was using is old. My business is um, only nine months old and so things are moving quickly at this stage. You know, there's a lot of changes happen a lot of the time and as such, I have to make sure that my content, my feed and my my, um, strategy keeps up. So I really have... um, 
had a relook at it this month and I have, um, I'm going to give you an insight into what my content pillars are for Spark Media now that I have relooked at them, changed them. So the first one is strategy. Uh, the second one is social media platforms because obviously people in my niche want to know about not only the existing platforms and the changes about them, but also new and upcoming platforms. I have also looked, um, I'm also using analytics and measurements as a, and evaluation as a content pillar for my feeds. I'm also looking at the content creation itself and the different types of content that can be utilized. I am looking at engagement, which is something you will all be very familiar with because I speak about it all the time, whether it's on my podcast, in my blog, or on my social media channels. Then I'm also looking at marketing for social media as a content pillar. And then of course, the final one, as I said last week, is the products and services. So I really have um, drilled down into what it is that one, I want to provide you guys with as information but also to what it is that you guys currently are engaging with in my strategy and in my content. And like I say, real eye-opener, but great to do. And it reinvigorates you and gives you, or me, I should say, and gives me much more um, excitement around creating my own content. Um, you will know if you have your own business and if you are running the social media for that business as well as running everything else that goes into your business, you'll know how tiring it can be. It can be really tiring. It can be really time consuming. Um, and sometimes, like with any job or anything in life, you just you get a little bit... Um, fatigued by it, uh, you know, not burnt out. I don't feel burnt out, but sometimes I do feel fatigued. You know, you spend so much time doing stuff for other people's businesses that when it comes to do it for yourself, it does feel like an additional chore. Regardless of the fact that I love what I do, you do get those times when things feel like they are a bit of a chore. And it's probably, I think that's really good for you guys to hear um, because I know a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, oftentimes it is happy, happy, everything's perfect. If you can just do what I tell you to do, then your life will be amazing. And look, life doesn't work like that. We all get tired. We all get fatigued. We we all at some point overwork ourselves to the point of burnout, especially when we are business owners. So I think a takeaway from my week's story is that it's important that you take time to rest. It is important that you take time to reflect. And it's also important that you give yourself time to analyze and cut back the grass. Take away anything superfluous that you no longer need. Anything that's not working, that doesn't resonate truly with you, you can strip away and that is okay. I have noticed myself moving back from a couple of social media platforms because they're really not doing me any benefit. Um, and it's not that I don't want to use the platforms, but my user base, my personal, uh, my brand specific user base is not on those platforms. Um, or if they are on those platforms, they're not engaging with the type of content that I am producing. And that's okay. Whereas I have other platforms that are not so widely known. I keep going on about Clapper and Vizzle TV, where I am starting to amass a really big following. So I think it's about giving yourself the opportunity to see where you fit, um, where your audience is. And also it's okay to know that yes, you have to be on the big platforms solely for exposure's sake um, and social proof and validity. Such Facebook is the one that everyone should be on. Now, I'm not saying you have to be overly active on it, but we do all have to be on there. But that may not be where you get your most, uh, the most of your engagement and your most interaction, so it doesn't have to be a massive focus. Find where you fit, find your tribe, and commit to focusing on that. And I give you permission right here and now to take a break when needed, because sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees. And when we take a break and sit back, we can see that there's a path sitting just to our right that we never would have noticed before. So that's my tips for the week. Let's get into the real thing. Let's get into your round robin of social media news and updates for the week, shall we? So, Instagram is removing swipe up links in stories and they're going to be replacing it with a brand new function that is link stickers. Now, this change is going to be good news for those that can currently access swipe up links. 
It means that you will be able to put links into your story um, content with, directly on the page. So giving it a much more prominent position rather than having to uh, tag, swipe up all over the actual creative of your post. Now, this is great because it means that they're more prominent, more people are going to actually decide or use the function of clicking upon the links. It gives a more streamlined story creation experience for users. It adds more creative control to stories and it also will obviously further the engagement of the post because of the ability to place them in a prominent position. Now, Instagram has not officially confirmed whether this will only be available to those who currently have enough followers to access swipe up links or whether it will be rolled out to the wider populace. It is my thought that it is probably going to stick with the people that are currently going to be able to use it, but that doesn't mean that it won't be opened to wider access in the future. However, the only problem with this is obviously that people are so um, indoctrinated to being uh, able to swipe up for links that may uh, it may take a chance time for the active muscle memory, as it were, to change to get used to this new process. Furthermore, it's a large undertaking for Instagram because obviously there is a lot that has to change in the background to be able to make this happen. So it's a system that will roll out. They are expecting it to roll out by, um, I believe it's the end of October, if memory serves correct. Um, so you need to watch out for this, but we will see how long it takes for the rollout to actually occur across platform. And it would be great to be able to have access to this regardless of whether you had the correct number of followers or not, but we will see what happens with that in the future. So this is an interesting one. While platforms such as Facebook are really focusing on virtual reality and events that happen within the digital space, YouTube has opened a 6,000 seat YouTube theater where it's going to host a range of in real life events. The YouTube theater for business, as I said, has a 6,000 seat performance venue in California and it's going to host a range of concerts, theater performances, award show and e-sports competitions. However, it's likely to become a key venue for many, many conferences. And obviously, because it is being built by YouTube, there is the opportunity there that the performers will be able to live stream each of their events to billions of YouTube viewers around the world, which is some pretty hefty exposure. Um, it's an interesting extension of what YouTube is currently doing. And it kind of feels much like um, a TED, it's gonna be like a TED Talk environment with uh, YouTube backing obviously the the uh extension of that through its virtual uh, platforms. The first event planned at the venue is the Hollywood Black Comedy Festival and that begins on September the 3rd. So let's watch this space and see how this develops. Well, more and more platforms are trying to get on the e-commerce bandwagon with Instagram really pushing its shopping function. Snapchat have now announced a new update for their scanning tool. This is set to include a new scan shopping option. Now the scan function is part of Snapchat's camera if you've not used it before and it's been around for two years, but this update intends to put the scan option with the camera front and center of what Snapchat uh, does. The scan option enables more insights uh, into what's happening with the platform and the functionality. However, it didn't really launch quite the way that they had intended or it's not seen the user engagement that they intended, but now they are ramping up the pressure a little bit. So you, uh, Snapchat has said, this update brings the scan button front and center on the main camera, making it easier than ever to find fun and helpful experience in categories, including fashion, food, plants, and more. So if you are a Snapchat user, this is something that you definitely need to be on the lookout for. Um, Snap users will also be able to use scan to shop via pre-captured images, not just the ones taken on the app. Um, Snapchat said about this, people love to take screenshots of things they see online and come back to it later. And with scan, they're making it easier than ever. Just tap into your screenshots and use the scan technology to find and buy the outfits that you have 
previously taken a photo of. Now that's quite an impressive offering, so it's no doubt that we will be seeing similar functions from other big platforms in the future. But for now, if you're using Snapchat, see what you think. TikTok are at it again. They are really trying to capitalize and extend the offering that they can give after their stratospheric rise to domination of the social media space. Now, you've probably been aware that last week it was announced that TikTok is the most downloaded um, social media app, and now they are extending the upload length of videos to five minutes, which is hot on the heels of an update that only happened in July where they increased it to three minutes. So this shows that they're really trying to um, position themselves as the authority on video content, which will be interesting to see how they go up against the likes of YouTube, but it doesn't feel like it will be too long before, uh, as a result of this, we will see Instagram coming along and trying to do something very, very similar. But as it is at the minute, TikTok are smashing it, and its word on the social media grapevine is that it is even experimenting at this time with longer clips, with some um, very small pocket of users being able to upload 10-minute clips. So we shall see how this develops and also how this changes TikTok's offering because even with the three minutes downloads, it's very, at this moment in time, there's not many people watching that length of videos on TikTok. So could this be an attempt to refocus and draw in an even wider user base from TikTok? Only time will tell. So we can't finish this week's round robin without talking about OnlyFans. And whether you use OnlyFans or not is beside the point. You will have probably heard about their change in policy that they announced last week that stated they were going to remove all explicit content from the platform by October. Well, that did not go down well with the user base. There was absolute uproar about this decision, specifically when probably about 95% of its user base makes money from explicit adult content that hides behind the paywall on the app. So they have done a massive 180 U-turn and now withdrawn that policy change, which is hardly surprising. If any director or financial officer was looking at this backlash, they would have seen that that policy change and change of direction would have absolutely decimated the app. So it has been reversed. So if you do use OnlyFans, there's no need to worry. And that's it for your social media round robin for this week. So now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. And this week I'm going to be talking about social media metrics. Now last week I spoke at length about how to create a robust content creation strategy for your social media using content pillars, content ideas, um, content types, and then um, diarizing that information in a way that's going to continually use and increase engagement on your platforms. But that's not where your strategizing ends. And obviously, I didn't want to speak about it all in one video because otherwise you would have been listening to me talk for hours. Once you've got your strategy in place and you have your content created, then obviously you have to then monitor the results because you have put the strategy together off your best knowledge of your own social media um, user base, your fans, your followers, your advocates, but we are only human and we get things wrong. At the beginning of the episode today, I even spoke about how my content strategy was not working in certain places for my audience and I had to make changes and it happens all the time. But the only way we can actually truly tell what is working and what not is working is by using social media metrics. Now, if you are relatively new to social media, you may be confused already. So what are social media metrics? Well, social media metrics are tools that we use to measure our success 
of any social media campaign. So whether that's just your regular posting or whether it's some form of marketing campaign for a specific product or launch, metrics are what we use to measure that success. Um, they will directly correlate in an ad specific environment with how much money is being spent and made, but we can also use them to measure engagement, follow, reach, etc. And we're going to talk about that in much more detail. Without metrics, we have no genuine idea if the work that we are doing is really driving business reach and engagement or not. And therefore, if we don't know that information, then we could just be wasting all of that time and resource that we are investing into something and if it's not working it's not worth it so why are they important the internet has made it so easy to market ourselves our brand and our business and it's made it relatively straightforward to reach a wider audience but obviously the more social media expands the more platforms they are the harder it is to stand out in the crowd so you need to make sure or we all need to make sure that our content is reaching as many people in the correct way as possible also, we need to make sure that the content is reaching the right people. It is pointless having a product that is targeted at 21 year olds if all your feed and advertising is only going to reach 55 plus. Now that's not ageism, that's just a fact. Likewise, if your product targets 60 year olds and you're only being seen by 16 year olds, then that is no good either. And social media metrics and analyzing the metrics enables us to do that. There are several ways to measure social media success, but the easiest method involves online analytics and looking at the insights and tracking the metrics according to what we specifically need for our business okay so hopefully that's got you kind of caught up a little bit if you were unsure of what they are um, now let's talk a little bit about how social media metrics are categorized. So I like to say that there are six different overarching categories of, um, of social media metrics. I often call them metric pillars because they're overarching. So very similar to content pillars on the content side. On the analytical side, I call them the um, the, the metric pillars for it couldn't get my words out there for a second so there are six of these they uh, they are activity reach engagement acquisition conversion retention and advocacy okay so let's go into each one of those so activity is the output of your social media. So these are the numbers that show what you're doing um, in the most basic sense. So things like your posting, your scheduling, uh, answering questions and solving problems could be a good one. And they include things like, um, and when I say like, uh, they include things like today, I will do that a lot. What I want to point out is that I'm obviously only going to cover a couple of social media metrics under each heading, but there are absolutely loads of things you could be tracking upwards of 60 odd in total um, and we're not going to go into every single one but I want to give you a clear overview so I'll mention a couple um, for each uh, each metric pillar but I won't mention all of them so when we're speaking about your activity metrics some of the things you might be monitoring are things like average response time so this is the amount of time it takes for uh, a team member or yourself to respond to things like content uh, comments uh, direct messages, that sort of thing. Also, you could be monitoring and analyzing the content rate. So the number of pieces of content that you produce at any given time. Um, so how many blog posts per month, how many videos per week. It does depend on your own content and what it is that you want to achieve from it. So be sure that when you are tracking metrics, that you're tracking things that are specific to your business and your brand. You could also look at posts rate so you could be analyzing the number of social media posts within a specific period so how many tweets per day are you posting how many Facebook posts per week how many Pinterest pins per month and that will give you a good understanding of um, your post rate and also you can look at things like post topics you know your type of mix that you're doing so that would be in relation to your content strategy that we spoke about last week um, 
so let's move on to reach metrics. So this is about your audience and your potential audience. These are the metrics that focus on your audience and your potential audience's size and also its growth rate. So you may want to track things like your audience growth rate, which is uh, the speed at which you are getting more members to your channel. You could also be tracking the average position. So where your information is most regularly being seen. And you could also be tracking things like brand awareness um, or the amount of fans and followers you have. Now, obviously, you know, I don't deal very well with vanity metrics because I don't see the relevance of them. But if you do focus on social proof, then obviously fans and followers may be seen by your audience as a valid uh, metric uh, for your success. So you may have to track them and that's absolutely fine if you find that necessary for your business. You've got to track what works for your business and not everyone's business is the same. Next up, you can track when we talk about engagement metrics. This is things like your interaction. So um, you could uh, track the number of uh, positive actions you get on a post, things like likes and loves and cares, as opposed to things like crying emoji or angry emoji. You could track your average engagement rate, which is a really important one. Uh, that's the percentage of your total audience that has engaged with your content overall. Um, with regards to your acquisition metrics, that's all about building a relationship. So that's things like blog subscribers, how, um, what your bounce rate is. So how many people go onto your page and stay on your page rather than going onto your page and coming immediately off of it. And you might also look at things like click-through rates, the amount of uh, members of your audience um, and how often they click through on any given link that you have shared or provided them. Your conversion metrics talks about actions, sales and results. So that's always a good one. Um, the ultimate goal that you hope a visitor will achieve with your brand. So usually this is about sales. Conversion metrics tends to be for people that are needing the audience to take a very specific action um, for the benefit of their business. So it's most likely to be um, the number of sales they get, the number of subscribers they get, um, how often that happens, uh, how often that happens per compared to how often their advert is seen, that type of information. Retention metrics is obviously how happy your customers are. So how happy, um, how often do customers share your content? Um, what number of cost customers or followers would you consider to be ambassadors for your brand? How many people are going out there and actively sharing you to the wider audience and acting as if they are marketers for your business, even if they are unaware? It could be things like customer review rates or customer satisfaction. So there are a lot of things that you can check. So that's a brief overview, a very brief overview of the six um, social media metric pillars. And again, just to recap, you've got activity, reach. So activity is the output of your socials. Reach is your audience and potential audience. Um, engagement is your interactions and the interest to your brand. Acquisition is about how you create your relationships. Your conversion is your action, sales and results. And your retention and advocacy is your happy customers and your brand evangelists. Now, if that seems a little bit complicated, don't worry. It can be, especially if you're hearing it for the first time and this is your first experience of metrics. What I need to highlight here is ultimately, so long as you're using some metrics to track how your social media feeds are doing, then you're already ahead of the curve, especially in relation to many small businesses. Bigger businesses tend to have teams that do this for them or they hire companies like mine to do it on on their behalf. But if you're a small business, most small businesses do not do this. And it is absolutely vital to the success of how you present yourself on social media and how you get that engagement and reach so that you can um, have that range of social proof on your profile so that you can get seen more. And ultimately, that's what we use social media for business for. It's to get your products and services out there and be seen in the social sphere. So what I'm going to do now
is I am going to tell you the top four social media metrics that I think you should start with straight off the bat. So if you are completely overwhelmed with these six metric pillars and 60 plus metrics that you may be able to um, track and the fact that it's individual to every business and it depends on what you're selling or what you're doing it can become a complete minefield and if this is your first engagement with it then i completely understand why <laughs> so i'm going to tell you the four social media met media metrics that i believe you must follow and get your head around first of all. Okay, so first up is your average engagement rate. It's what's called your AER. The average social media engagement rates includes the degree of interaction between your followers and your posts. So it is literally a mathematic equation between how many people follow your page or your feed and how much interaction you are getting per post. Okay. Now, just to give you a bit of context, because people often go out learn how to calculate their average engagement rate and see that it's a really, really low percentage number and panic and think they're doing a ter terrible job. So just to put this into context for you, here are the average engagement rates by the main four platforms uh, that I'm going to discuss. And um, then I'm also going to tell you a number that would be good for these platforms. So Facebook, the average engagement rate is only one to three percent, right? It's really, really, really low. And to be considered having a good engagement rate on Facebook, your engagement rate, your average engagement rate only needs to be three to five percent. Okay. Likewise, Twitter is even worse. The engagement, average engagement rate on Twitter is only half to 1%. One half to 1%. A good engagement rate on Twitter is one and a half to 2%. So if you're there or above, you are doing exceptionally well. The reason why it's so low on Twitter is because of the style of feed it is. It's quick information that can be read as people scroll. So often, Twitter does not get high engagement or interaction, and that's just the nature of what it does. On Instagram, the average engagement rate is one to 2%. It's absolutely minuscule, and a good engagement rate would be considered above 3%. LinkedIn, again, only has an average engagement rate of one to 2%, so a good engagement rate on LinkedIn would be anything above 2%. So, when you check out your average engagement rate, it's important to remember that they are already low to begin with. So if you have anything over, anything in the region or over the numbers that I have just commented, you are doing absolutely fine. So don't worry about it. Now, let's talk about conversion rates. So conversion rates are ultimately um, one of the most important metrics that you can track specifically to tell you how much revenue your social media marketing is bringing into your business. Your conversion rate is simply a person's act on their page divided by the total visitors to that specific site or domain, okay? And it just tells you exactly what people are doing and what that percentage is. So conversion rates are something you need to start tracking now. It's a stark illustration of the worth your worth as a business in the online space and if you're getting a lot of visitors but you're not getting a lot of sales then it's time to relook at your strategy because something is going wrong and if you are spending money on advertising then that money is being wasted so it's a really valuable metric to help you save money but also to indicate that you need to relook at your strategy and see what you can be doing better Okay. Another one, if you're doing paid advertising, is your cost per click. So advertising can be expensive. It can be expensive for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a small business or a big business, but you need to be smart about it so that those costs, uh, the benefits outweigh those costs. So cost per click is a good example. Every time someone clicks your advertisement, that click costs you money. That's basically how it was. We're talking, it works. We're talking about brass taxes here. And 
especially if you're a small business and you don't have a lot of money to throw around, you need to know how much it's costing you. You want your cost per click to be as low as possible. So you'll need to consider factors like how much it costs to advertise. What is the return that you are getting? If you are paying a euro or a pound or a dollar per click, but your product is only charged at 50 cents, there is obviously a problem there and you're going to have to go back and relook at your advertising strategy. Now, we've not done a lot of discussions on advertising strategy. I will be covering that in future blog posts and possibly future podcasts. So pop onto my blog and make sure you're following that so that you kept up to date. Um, you might also want to be considering, um, you need to consider your budget limitations. You need to consider how many people are being affected by your advertising when that's costing you X amount of money. So <clears throat> you may find it more difficult to determine if your advertising efforts are worth spending money on if you're not working out your cost per click. So it really is the best way to see if advertising revenue, uh, advertising revenue is, be uh, sorry, if your sales revenue is meeting your advertising revenue. It's a really simple way to calculate how effective your advertising is. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I've got a bit of a dry throat now. All this free value, it's just rubbing. <laughs> so the final one that I recommend you start to understand and track is your click-through rate. So as I spoke about earlier on, a click-through rate is um, looking at how many people click and take um, click through to a link that you have shared or advertised. So click through rates can help you measure how well a campaign is doing because it gives insights to whether um, your followers are finding something appealing enough to take an action. And ultimately, that is what you want people to be doing. If they're not taking an action, what's the point? Okay, you're just shouting into the social media space and you'll end up with a sore dry throat like I've got. So the calculation for a click-through rate is the total number of clicks divided by the total number of impressions and multiplying that by 100. Now, the total clicks obviously is how many times someone's clicked or the, the follower base has clicked on an advert or a link. The total number of impressions is how many how many times that um, post has been seen in total. Okay, now that is in total, it's not unique views, okay? Because there are two different numbers and it's the total impressions you want. So it's the total number of clicks divided by the total number of impressions and then multiplied by 100 and that will give you a percentage rate for your click through, okay? So those are four really simple ones to get your head around in the first instance. And if that seems too much to be going on with because you are completely new, then that's okay. Start with your engagement rate. That's the one to start with. See how many people are actually interacting with your content and that will give you a better idea overall of how your socials are doing. Then move on to your conversion rate if you're worrying, working with sales or downloads. Then look at your cost per click when you move into paid advertising and also look at your click-through rate anytime you share something that has a link attached to it. Those are my top four. Now there are others. People will argue that there are ones that I have left off that really should be there and there are, but this needs you need to start this process of analyzing the metrics and adapting your strategy as a bite-sized endeavor. You cannot do it all at once and you really have to understand that it's okay to start small. Every professional painter was once an amateur, I believe is the saying. So you have to start somewhere and there are even some metrics that I still struggle with. So don't worry about this. Look, social media is a great marketing tool to use for your business, especially if you're just a startup or if you're a small business. And these metrics um, can be used when you're posting to help measure the effectiveness of what you're doing. And the sooner you start to look at these metrics and analyze them, the quicker you will come to understand them and the better your social media will be as a result. And ultimately, that is why I'm here here making these podcasts for you guys because I want you to get as good as you can in a time that works 
for you. So if you are struggling with that, or if you didn't understand any of what I've talked about, that's completely okay. I did a blog post about this this week as well. So if you pop on to yoursparkmedia.com forward slash blog, then you will be able to see my post that talks about metrics. I also did a a three minute video on Instagram TV this week and my Facebook page and my Facebook group. So that is also there for you to to help you solidify your knowledge. So there there are loads of places you can go to clarify what I've talked about. And if you're still struggling, then you know where my social medias are. Give me a message, please. It's absolutely no problem at all because if you're thinking it, then so is someone else. Okay, let's see how you get on. Good luck. So let's move on to tips of the week and it's tips this week, plural, not singular, and they're directly related to what we've just been talking about. So obviously in our metrics, we are looking at average engagement rate and I recommended that if you are really struggling with understanding, then you need to be looking at your average engagement rate first. But if your average engagement rate is low, what can you do about it? And that's the big question. So obviously you've created your social media strategy and you've looked at your three different types of content. You're entertaining, you're inspirational and you're in uh, educational content. So here are some tips on how to, first of all, identify what the problem is, but second of all, how to improve your engagement rate. So first of all, Look at, go just now and look at any one of your social media feeds. And I want you to ask yourself the following questions. How many times have you posted an open-ended question? Okay, so open-ended, something that does not elicit just a yes or no answer. And it's not to say that closed-ended questions don't have their place because they do, particularly in lead generation, but we want to talk about open-ended questions that encourage people to actually discuss something on the platform. So count that up, say for the last week or the last month, how many times have you actually asked an open-ended question to increase engagement? Second of all, how many times have you told a personal story in relation to your brand? Now this one's a biggie because it's something that people actively avoid doing. They actively avoid doing it because they don't want to talk about themselves. They want to talk about the business and the products or the services, but people buy people. So they want to know about you, your engagement with your own business. How did you start? What are your passions? So go and count up over the last week or the last month, how many times you actually told a personal, relatable story in your feeds. And for most people, it's going to be little to never. So then I also want you to have a look, go back and look at your feeds and analyze how many times you posted something that you yourself found funny. So what is it? How many times did it happen? Did it happen at all? Because we often get caught up when we're dealing with strategies and content creation, we often get caught up in the doing and the completion of it as a task. But what we get less involved in is actually how it resonates with us. Because if this stuff resonates with you personally, it's going to resonate with your audience more. So there's my first tip. If something doesn't resonate with you, don't post it. Why would you post content that doesn't resonate with yourself, that you yourself don't actively like, okay? You have to resonate with your own content, otherwise it's not being uh, authentic to you and they're by proxy not authentic to your business or your brand, okay? And there are obviously then, that's a fundamental one. That's a really important one. If you do those three things and you see that the answer for each one is little to never, then those are the first things you have to change in your strategy and in your content creation, okay? But there are other more simplistic tips that I can give you. Number one, make sure that you are posting consistently. We talk about this all the time. If you're not posting consistently, then your followers and those that are interested in your business never know when they're going to see your content, so they lose interest. Another tip would be um, make sure that your branding is strong, but don't overshare your logo. You want things to feel less corporate, but you 
also want to make sure that your branding is strong. So make sure that your colors are consistent, uh, make sure that the feel of your posts are consistent, but don't brand every uh, piece of content with your logo all the time because then it will feel too corporate and people will disengage because it's social media. They don't want to be sold, they want to be spoken to. Um, make sure that you're choosing the right hashtags on platforms, on all platforms. So do your hashtag research. You can use a great number of tools. There are things like IQ hashtags, um, there's uh, meta hashtags, there's lots of different tools that are free to use that you can find specific hashtags um, that will work in the range that you need for your business. I'm going to speak in uh, a future podcast about hashtags themselves because they are a massive topic. Um, so if you're not quite sure about what's the best way to use them, I have posted some video content and discussed it on my feed, although it was a little while ago now. So go and have a look and see what you find and look out for future posts. Um, because I will be talking about them much, much more. Um, and also try and focus on user-generated content. Things, if you get um, reviews, if people post questions to your feed, use that to generate um, generate more content because again if it comes from the user then you can tag the user that increases engagement awareness it makes you look like a much more social feed so people are going to engage with your content much more regularly so that's just a few simple and quick fire tips to help you increase the engagement rate on your social media profiles good luck So this is the part of the podcast where I answer questions from you guys. And this week I have two questions that came into my private Facebook group called Social Spark, which you are all welcome to join. You can find it um, on by searching on Facebook for Your Social Spark. So the first one comes from Stacey McElroy and she asked, um, is it okay to still post photos to Instagram now that it's no longer a photo sharing platform? And the answer ultimately is yes. However, with the um, announcement uh, last month that they were no longer considering themselves a photo sharing platform, that does mean that photographic content on Instagram will get shown less often by Instagram's algorithm. Now that doesn't mean that it's going away altogether and also what we should have learned especially this week from the turnabout in policy with OnlyFans is that if the user base continues to use Instagram for mostly photo sharing then I can see that this change will last particularly long but Instagram do seem to be hell-bent on taking on TikTok and YouTube as the primary competitors so they may be a little bit stubborn about this. Look, ultimately, if you are still posting photo content to Instagram, that's absolutely not a problem, but it just means that it won't get seen as much as your reels or your video content. So my advice would be if you still want to post um, photographic content, primarily, then ensure that one, you are mixing it up with video content and reels and IGTVs wherever possible, but also consider making your static content into animated posts. So if you've got a photo that you particularly like and want to share, chuck it on something like Canva, add a little bit of text, animate the text, and then download it as a video and post it that way. There, you can still have the um, photo in place, but you also it's also being treated as a video. The other really good way to do this, again, it would be in something like Canva, is you can put the photograph into Canva and then you can just add an animation to the the video so they have animations like breathe so it just makes the photo go a little bit larger a little bit smaller it's really really minor it's nice um, and attractive and engaging but it means that instagram will treat it like a video rather than a photo and then it will get pushed more often so there's a lucky 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 little tip for you there and you will see the absolute difference with that 
The second question I had, which was also from my private Facebook group called Social Spark, is um, what does it, it comes from Megan Richards, and it's what does it mean now that Facebook page likes are being replaced by a follower account? Look, it's really very, very simple and nothing for most businesses to be worried about. Okay, Facebook have had this in the pipeline for a long time, and it's now the rollout is coming to kind of almost the end, I would think, where most pages no longer have likes. They only have followers. Why is this a good thing? I think this is a good thing because previously you could have, say, 2,000 likes on your page, but a number of those people may have unfollowed you. So maybe they're friends who've given you the like, but just because they're your friends and they want to support you, but they don't really want to see your content because it has nothing to do with them, so they've unfollowed your page. So you would have a massive amount of likes on your page, but you actually wouldn't be seen by that many. Likewise, there are people that could have followed your page before but never given you a like. So they are seeing all of your content, but they don't count towards your likes, which was being displayed on front of your page. So they weren't counting towards your social proof. So that was also a negative thing. Now, by amalgamating these two numbers together, what Facebook has done is given you a much clearer picture and also from a social proof point of view has given your potential audience a much clearer picture of what's actually happening with your business on social media. So what they are doing is any like, any page likes that you have that don't currently follow you, um, you will not see transfer. Page likes that do follow you will transfer and obviously followers that follow you will transfer. Nine times out of 10, a business's follower count at the moment is actually greater than its number of likes. So this can only benefit most businesses. But ultimately, is it going to have an effect on what happens on your business page in general? Not a thing, not a thing. It's just going to be a change in terminology. So that's that. Hope that all makes sense. And thank you guys for the questions this week. So thanks to Megan and thanks to Stacy. Um, if you guys want me to answer your question directly, then you know where all my social media's uh, platforms are. So you can pop onto the DMs in any of those or you can send me an email for me to answer. And if you're not part of my private social media group, The Social Spark, it's um, at your social spark is what you search for on Facebook. And you can see my pretty little face in the box. Request to join in there because we do lots of conversations, free advice, free tips, and have a little bit of fun while we're doing it. So please feel free to go on and join us there. See you later. Guys, thank you so much for joining me for episode four of the Social Spark podcast. It's as always been an absolute pleasure to be able to give you a bit of insight into what's been happening in social media and then also to give you some advice, some tips, some tricks on, well, specifically this week's on analyzing your social strategy and using metrics to give you indication on how to improve it. I know that these are some massive, massive topics, but hopefully, even if you take the smallest thing away from this, then you're going to improve what you're doing. So I hope you found that helpful. And I also hope you found this week's tips and advice helpful and also the question and answer section. Remember that you can submit any questions to me at any time to answer via my social media platforms. And they include Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, Clapper, Rizzle TV, and Snapchat. And using the hashtag at your spark media. All my social media handles are the same. So in case you missed that, just search for your Spark Media. Likewise, that is the that's the handle for my private social media group on Facebook at Your Spark Media, and it's also my website address, which is www.yoursparkmedia.com. Thanks again for joining me, and remember to follow so that you don't make miss my weekly podcast. See you later.